Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Greg Perez and Lyle Bento from Night Moves Hospitality coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. He is a Houston hospitality veteran and a co-founder of the Houston Barbecue Festival. Michael Fulmer, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Ken Bridge of Delicious Concepts has closed his steakhouse ritual with plans to transform it into a Korean barbecue restaurant called, and forgive me because Lord knows I may get this wrong, Mapojong Galbi Jib. You're a better man than I. I'm glad you did it. I was going to tackle that. Uh, I think we may just call it MG for the rest of this segment. I like it. I like it. Uh, Fulmer, let me just start with ritual. Do you have any sort of favorite memories, any meals there, anything memorable about it uh, stand out for you? Um, I had a couple good experiences there. Um, you know, they sourced 44 farms uh, beef. So the quality, I mean, they were a very, you know, open, you know, live fire grill. They're all about the, the big proteins. Uh, and so the quality was always good. Um, the bar, you know, they, they, they put a good emphasis on their bar program too. Um, ironically or interestingly, one of the things that always kind of left an impression was the bathrooms. Uh, the bathroom was really cool. Uh, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, so I just won't even bother, but, uh, just, uh, you know, it was, of course it was functional, it was clean, uh, but just, uh, kind of a cool experience in its own right. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think, you know, certainly what stands out for me, of course, is their commitment to, like you said, local sourcing. They had that butcher shop right there in the dining room. So, you know, glassed off, obviously, but you could watch right. them work in the bandsaw, uh, cutting steaks, cutting chops. And and that whole Southern inspired menu, you know, a really great burger, you know, a lively brunch scene. Uh, you know, I thought this was a pretty successful concept for, for Ken Bridge and but, you know, he's a Korean-American. He grew up in Koreatown in L.A. And I, I think this is something he's probably wanted to do for a long time. And, and, you know, I mean, you and I have been to Bori together. We've been to Hand and Barbecue. So I think we have some sense of, of a more elevated Korean barbecue, maybe steakhouse experience, you know, where they're well ventilated, where they do the cooking for you, where there's a little more care put into the various banchan. And, and I think bringing that idea inside the loop is all very interesting. Yeah, I think it is too. I mean, it's a, a concept that has, you know, left the kind of regional niche audience in LA and become a really big deal there. Uh, Korean barbecue has just exploded and it's at all different levels, uh, you know, in terms of pricing and, and the event itself and the quality of the meats. Uh, and the idea that that could transfer here, you know, uh, I think is completely viable. Um, you know, it's, it's not just relegated to the sort of long point and Bel Air. Now, uh, we're seeing it, you know, you know, at, Korean barbecues is a, is a fun event, you know, uh, just having the, the, the cooked right in front of you, whether you do it yourself or, or the server does it, um, there's going to be familiar cuts as well as some unfamiliar things for a lot of people. So it represents something that, has sort of a comfort aspect to it as well as kind of a little adventuresome too. 
And so the combination is um, appealing or certainly intriguing, to say the least. No, absolutely. I, I do think the one thing that's sort of interesting about this is that uh, MG, again, not not going to try to mess up the pronunciation twice in the same segment, uh, is not the only Korean barbecue steakhouse concept that's coming to White Oak, right? Jason Cho, who owns Dakenbop and the Tom and Toms in the Galleria, is working on a steakhouse called Carne that he's opening in partnership with Mikey Chen, who's a YouTube sensation that's got millions of followers. And, and that's also going to be kind of an upscale Korean steakhouse with homemade banchan, Korean twists on uh, steakhouse sides, you know, and there's a, there's a video back in Mikey's archives where they, they sort of talk about this and they go have dinner at B&B butchers and they, they kind of slam B&B butchers is, is not very good. So I, I mean, if you're going to come out firing like that with a, a pretty well-respected Houston restaurant, you've really got to bring it. And so I'll, I'll be really curious to kind of see what carne is like. And, you know, I, it's equally possible that people are just like, we love both of these restaurants and we'll, you know, sometimes we'll go to one and sometimes we'll go to the other. Uh, you know, if, if Ninfa's on navigation can exist next to uh, a giant El Tiempo, then, then anything is possible. Well, you know, Tex-Mex is certainly more ingrained, you know, uh, in, in Houston culture. So it'll be interesting to see if Korean barbecue can do that, you know, in the Heights where, you know, real estate, Prices are certainly a little bit higher. Uh, you're bringing it to a new audience. You know, it kind of goes back to you know, usually in Hollywood when a sort of a tentpole film is coming out and something similar, it's, you know, whichever script makes it to the camera first, you kind of can sometimes shut down the other one. But, you know, you had Dante's Peak and Volcano came out that same year in 97. And they both kind of like, well, okay, the same concept, same thing, what's going on here. But they released it anyway to see who would win. So we'll see. You know, maybe it'll be a case of only one of them survives. I would hope that both of them do. Um, I wish them the bo- both of them the best, but it's also a concept that like, I think is exciting and I certainly enjoy. So the more the merrier. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to topic number two. Julia Sherby and David Grossman are opening their third location of Fusion Eats, also known as Fusion Taco in the former Gratify space at Fairview and Taft. It's a really lively corner, right? You've got, uh, I never know if it's Bohem or Boheme, but I feel like uh, it's-, it's Bohem. Bohem is the name of the opera for which it's named. So it's a lot uh, Oh, good, good. Yeah, probably like I, the I most produced was, opera in the world. Yeah, I always assumed it was like La Bohem, but then some people read it as Bohemian. But anyway, what? never mind. Okay, well, they're wrong. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad to know that they're wrong. Um, Kuchara, uh, Pepper Twins, right? A, a, a very, uh, a, a quietly sort of Max's Wine Dive, a, a quietly very busy little uh, corner in Montrose. You know, they have a location in the Heights uh, as Fusion Taco that's done pretty well. They have a, a location in Greenway Plaza called Fusion Eats that adds breakfast and, and some a, a bunch more non-taco items. Uh, that's been kind of closed for the pandemic, but is reopening soon. And of course, uh, Fusion Taco uh, was one of those kind of OG Houston food trucks. It was really like a, a pioneer along with places like, you know, H-Town Streets and Bernie's Burger Bus. So this is something- Back in the day, back in the day. Way back in the day. Uh, this is, yeah, like 2010, kind of back in the day. 
So this is a concept I think people are, are probably familiar with. Michael, let me just throw it to you. What do you think? Uh, good move for, for Fusion Eats to, to come to Montrose? Yeah, I think it's a good move. Um, it's a great space. Um, the amount of high-end or A-list apartments that have been built in that area, you know, on West Dallas and Wa and all that area is, I mean, there's still some that are under construction. So there's, you know, going to be a lot more people there. And this is, you know, you know, ideally, usually this is, you know, people with disposable income who go out and eat. Um, and that represents something very close by. Uh, you know, I read a, a piece, an interview with her, with the owner, where she talked about like, well, I want to build some place that place that I'd want to go, you know, they're talking about doing a, you know, a, a more lively bar scene upstairs, but something that wouldn't intrude on diners below. So you can be a little more alcohol centered in one area, as well as have people who are just want to, you know, you turn your tables for food in another area. And yet they could also, you know, intermix at the same time. Uh, and, and so, I, you know, I think that's uh, I think that's a good concept. Uh, Yes, you, you read that interview on Culture Map. That was my interview with Julia. Yes, <laughs> that's where it was. Okay, yeah, good, good to know. Yeah. So, yes, I, <laughs> I, I, I really like that vision for for the space. Uh, I like that it's going to have a whole bunch of outdoor seating, both on the first floor and the second. And I like that they're expanding the menu. You know, more, more bowls, more salads. Uh, they'll do breakfast because I, I don't necessarily think you want to sell tacos right next door to Kuchara, which is, you know, a very well-respected. Kuchara is more of a sit-down Central American place, you know, and, and they've kind of established themselves nicely there. Uh, so, yeah, I think doing something that's a little bit different from that, uh, but not, you know, wildly different, you know, embracing more of their, of what they do in terms of like real taco culture or elevated street food uh, represents something that's, you know, definitely different. And I think there's certainly an audience for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with you. And, you know, this is kind of a little more long-term. This is, this is kind of for the summer. So we'll see how this all comes together, but uh, I'm looking forward to having it in the neighborhood. I am too. And, you know, I think it's exciting uh, and emboldening to see restaurants opening, you know, as you and I know that a restaurant opening can be, you know, sometimes in the conception from three to one years out, you know, and, and once it's, it's, put in motion, they've really got to move forward. But we're seeing places that places that are that have increased their uh, opening schedule. Um, I, you know, the idea of us coming out of COVID and the industry coming out of it and not just, you know, kind of circling the wagons and trying to keep what you've got, but, you know, uh, the spirit of entrepreneurship and the restaurant culture of this town, which is so vibrant, uh, seeing this come back is, uh, it just makes me feel so good uh, and, and excited. Well, yeah, I mean, we could, you know, Linda and I talked about this on the show last week, but, you know, when you have Chris Shepard opening, you know, three new restaurants, Ben Berg opening three new restaurants, you know, when, when you see kind of the heavy hitters in our local industry, like really, you know, saddling up to, to have a, a busy, busy 21, 21, I think that's a sign that, there's a lot of optimism and, and a lot of opportunity. So yeah, I, I concur. add this to the list of, of places that are, you know, taking advantage of that. And, and, you know, we're hoping for good things. Absolutely. All right. And then finally, I'm not uh, topic number three, not sure we'll have too much to say about this, but Aggie favorite Lane's chicken tenders has announced that it is coming to the Houston market. 
uh, with a location in the Katy area. This comes to Houston via Masroor Fatani, who owns a whole bunch of the various Halal Guys restaurants in Houston. Turns out he is an Aggie alum. So it, it makes a certain amount of sense that he would be interested in, in bringing Lane's to Houston. Uh, Michael, I don't suppose you've ever been to College Station and had Lane's chicken tenders. I have not. If I'm in that area, it's for barbecue or to, to visit my friends at the Texas A&M, A&M Meat and Sciences Department. Other than that, uh-uh. Well, I have to say, one of, my, one of my oldest friends is an Aggie, and I sort of ran this by him, and he, he acknowledged that, yes, Lane's is a, a bona fide thing in College Station. He kind of remembers when it, it first got going and that Raisin Cane's tried to open a location essentially across the street or very, very close by that did absolutely nothing to slow down Lane's success. So they have three locations in College Station, three more in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and they have been a sensation when they opened uh, up north. So I expect a, a similar uh, fervor from Texas A&M former students, as they call themselves, when Lane's opens in Houston. And Masroor Fatani has plans to open, obviously, multiple locations. He's got now a pretty substantial multi-unit experience with Halal Guys. And uh, certainly he plans to bring Lane's to uh, multiple uh, different trade areas within the Houston market. Well, there seems no end to the chicken sandwich, chicken tenders, you know, market. And the sheer brilliance and simplicity of what Raising Cane's does. Like, I mean, what is their inventory, you know, uh, is so, you know, I, I could see that it, it makes it compelling for an entrepreneur in that business and potentially, you know, making it a franchise uh, arrangement, you know, because that could just blow up. So it'll be interesting. Right. Inexpensive to operate, you know, pretty straightforward from a customer service aspect. You know, anything with the drive-thru, obviously. Yeah, I'm sure. It, does it, is it plans on having a drive-thru to your knowledge? Yeah, no, they, they, took, a, they took a former PDQ location out in Katy that, that definitely has a drive-thru because I, I went out there one time. So, yes, uh, that's, all, that's all in the mix. Oh, then they'll crush it. Absolutely. All right. Michael, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Michael, for our Restaurants of the Week, I want to start by talking to you about King Ranch Texas Kitchen. This is a new restaurant from the Landry's Group that opened in the former Willie G's on Post Oak near San Felipe. Uh, Obviously, a collaboration with the legendary Texas property, the King Ranch, the biggest ranch in Texas. So, you know, Western-style decor, you know, a, a kind of Southern Texas comfort food menu, Steaks, chicken fried steak, shrimp stuffed jalapenos. Uh, they, the, the waiter made a big point of telling us that the, the fried quail appetizer, the quail actually comes from the King Ranch. If you want to buy King Ranch branded luggage or other swag, that's all available. And the menu was created by Chef Carlos Rodriguez, who opened Vic and Anthony's and is now a, a pretty senior member of the culinary team for Landry's. So it's got a it's got a good pedigree. Uh, Michael, let me just throw it to you. What did you think of our dinner at King Ranch Texas Kitchen? Well, I think uh, everyone at the table kind of came to an agreement that it was essentially sort of an elevated saltgrass experience. 
Um, I mean, I know Carlos, uh, he's headed up the salt grass. He's been the concept chef for them. Uh, and he of course opened Vic and Anthony's and he's got great skills and really good creativity to him. Um, but this is clearly a comfort food experience. And the menu is just a monster. I mean, five or six sandwiches, five or six salads. The entree list was just, you know, it's, it's almost daunting. It's not like Cheesecake Factory, but then again, nothing is really. Um, but it's still, you know, uh, prodigious to be sure. Um, right. I mean, we were we were sort of trying to get our hands around, you know, what to order as a party of four. Like what's a, a reasonable amount of food that would still let us sort of sample everything. I mean, there's three different bread choices, right? Like we passed on kind of the regular bread basket to get like a cheese stuffed kind of arepa style corn cake that was actually yeah. really one of probably it was so good. It was so good. Uh, but you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't get the regular bread basket. Um, but you know, we you know, and then there's a whole barbecue section of the menu that we just kind of we just kind of passed on because we wanted to try other things. So, you know, I I mean I agree with you. I think if you if you're looking for a family friendly steakhouse with some sort of you know ranchy Texas decor, this is a this is a, an appealing option. Yeah, it gives them you know I, mean, I think it's the first original concept they've done in the Landry's Corporation in a while. They're, you know, as we know, Tillman buys up these chains all the time and streamlines them. Um, so I, it, there's really nothing in that area that kind of competes with that. I've had the barbecue there before. He's actually, uh, they're sourcing Akayushi um, brisket. And so the brisket's quite serviceable, actually, and the ribs are decent. Um, like, it's not going to become, like, destination worthy for the barbecue food bloggers and the Instagramites, uh, you know, of the of the area. But, you know, I, I think having it on the menu, you know, branding yourself as Texas is almost almost a prerequisite. And it's it's definitely serviceable. Right. And in terms of kind of the steakhouse experience, it's not the high end steakhouse. It's not competing with, you know, the other uh, three or four different Landry's owned steakhouses in the area. Right. You got uh, you, you got, can almost fall down and hit Morton's and Del Frisco and Mastro's. I mean, literally, they're practically walking distance. So, yeah, it would be kind of silly to, to put something like that to compete. So it's a definite price point. It's a different, you know, a little bit different market, uh, you know, it's kind of owning the Galleria area there, isn't he? He, he absolutely is. And, and, you know, it would not be difficult to imagine them, you know, opening one of these like out in Katy or, or, you know, somewhere in the energy corridor, maybe trying to kind of give a taste of Texas a run for their money. Although, you know, without a salad bar, I, I don't think you can, you can expect to, uh, to go head to head with taste of Texas, but it's got that <laughs> the salad bar is a tipping point, huh? Where you? That's right. Oh, I mean, it's, it defines the taste of Texas experience, but, <laughs> but it does have, but it does have that kind of atmosphere, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's very family friendly. We did see actually people on dates there, people dressed very nicely and, uh, and families too. So, and there's some outdoor seating also, uh, and the staff is observing protocols right now. So that's, uh, you know, heartening. Uh, so yeah, I think in a rural, in a more, uh, more of the outer areas of Houston, I think it would just crush. Absolutely. All right. And then let's move on to another restaurant. I want to talk to you about the tasting menu that we had from Neo and 
Tatemo. Uh, Neo is a Japanese-inspired pop-up. A couple of former Uchi chefs. Tatemo is the Mexican tortilleria that's really devoted to nixtamalization and using artisanal corn and in tortillas and other dishes. Um, I mean, we had an 18 course tasting menu that featured, you know, various seafood preparations, various corn applications. Um, let me just throw it to you. I mean, what did you, what did you think? This is, uh, this was quite an experience. I mean, I've, had many experiences doing omakases and, and some with you and, you know, the whole, the whole concept of, you know, turning yourself over to the chef. Um, and, you know, traditionally with in Japanese cuisine, usually from a sushi bar. Um, and so I had some expectations of what, you know, these would not be large composed courses, you know, with a lot of moving parts, uh, but more smaller pieces more like nigiri and sashimi and a few other composed pieces which is what it turned out to be. Um, the two things that really jumped out at me was one, the dry aged fish. Okay. No, you know, no one else is doing that here in town. It's my first experience with it. Um, and I am a lover, you know, count me in. I'm a big supporter now. It's what it does to the flavor, what it does for the texture. And then the, uh, I don't know what to call it, the byproducts, but where they had like the crispy skin that was a you know result of that, creating sort of this sort of uh, aquatic chicharron was just delicious. Uh, and then the other thing that, you know, you and I have talked about that were really impressive is the alacrity of service. They, we had like 18 courses in less than 70 minutes and it never felt rushed. They took the time to explain the dishes they were receptive to questions. Uh, you know, it was one of those things you can look at people and kind of see what their state of stress is on that. And they seem very relaxed. Uh, so overall, the whole experience was extremely impressive. Yes, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, the pace was really terrific. And, you know, it helps when there's uh, four cooks and a server for four diners, right? That's a, a pretty True. much an ideal ratio. Uh, this is not an inexpensive proposition. I, I should say, you know, this was uh, it's a hundred and it's one hundred and seventy five dollars for the collaboration menu. Uh, they gave us a slight discount that they extend to anyone in the restaurant industry, which uh, applies to you and was very nice of them to apply to me. But I, I do think it's a it's, you know, a good value kind of for the quality of what we experience for the creativity, you know, certainly dry aging fish, like you said, that's not something you see at other restaurants around town and it, it does affect their, their flavor, their texture in a, in a really interesting way. Um, did you have a favorite dish or two of the 18 that we sampled? Hmm. Um, actually the Wagyu was a, a real favorite. The A5 was from the Miyazaki prefecture. Um, I've gotten a little almost, you know, A5 is just a little bit intense. I've gotten almost a little burned out on it. And I only like it in small portions because of its uh, just intensity. And they treated it with such care, you know, scoring it, lightly searing it. Um, I forgot what was on top of it, but. Fermented remember, mushroom butter. That's it. The fermented mushroom. It was like a perfect umami accompaniment. Uh, it was just fantastic. Uh, the sea bream. Uh, and I think we had chutoro. We didn't have otoro. If I oh, no, we had both. 
Did we have both? Well, oh, yeah. The, the two, yeah, the Chutoro, which you know normally goes Chutoro, then Otoro is kind of like, you know, the softest, the top of the heap. But that Chutoro was just like, God, it was like silk. It was fantastic. The texture and the flavor. It wasn't, you know, some things when they get a little too tenderized, you know, uh, you know, it's like almost like a like a 40-year-old scotch versus a 15-year-old scotch. You know, it's almost like, wow, that stuff's almost too smooth. Well, it was just man hit that magic pot that spot and it was fantastic it was like a perfect bite yeah no i i thought the raw dishes were good uh and the the prepared dishes were really nice too i mean that crystal blue pawn taco with this really great like vibrant spicy salsa you got the texture from uh fried shrimp heads and grasshoppers and this like very savory blue corn tortilla and then i mean you know, that, that puffy taco uh, filled with avocado crema and their version oh. of pico de gallo and topped with just a giant piece of uni. Uh, I mean, I'm, little, I'm, I'm one of those uni guys. Like you yeah, a little too giant for me. me. I took half the uni off because I, I mean, I'll eat uni, but I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these like uni fanatics, which seem to be, you know, they're like aliens. They walk amongst us. You know, you never know who they are. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't feed me enough uni. So uh, that, I mean, that was a real standout. And then that dessert was so creative with the corn oh. and the corn pieces and the corn silk and the ice cream from Underground Creamery uh, shares a prep kitchen with Tatamo. I just, I mean, corn in all its forms, kind of the whole life cycle of corn. Yeah. Um, it, it, just a, a, create, a really creative application. I completely agree that that last, it was a perfect punctuation. It spoke to the collaboration. Uh, and, and like you said, it was like, it told this whole story of corn from it's sort of its infancy until its end in the different forms. And they explained that without it being this kind of big song and dance or didactic exercise, they're like, this is what it is. And they'd let you, you know, kind of reveal it to you. And it was just, it was wonderful. Uh, I was impressed with the collaboration, uh, I know they have done others and they have more to come and, and that's uh, exciting. And yeah, you raise an interesting issue about the value proposition of that kind of money. It is not a cheap experience, um, but if you can allow for that something in your budget uh, on the rare occasion or, or if you're just wealthy and it's not a problem, yeah, you know, run, don't walk. This is a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I go back just for a regular Neo, right? They're serving... Yeah. Uh, three nights a week. And, and I, you know, and that's a little less expensive. I, I'd, I'd happily go back for that uh, sometime in the future. And I think they're TABC. I think they're allowing people to bring in, uh, they're able to, to bring in cause they don't have the license to bring in their own alcohol if you want. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not a permitted venue as they say. So people. Can right. Right. Up, so uh, uh, whatever they want. Also, you know, if you've ever done an omakase and then you like, I went on an omakase once with a date and she's like, yeah, I'll do the sake pairings. And I watched it like <laughs> the bill triple. I was like, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, you know, the idea that you can bring your own in or, you know, uh, is uh, ha- has an appeal to it also, to be sure. All right. Uh, Michael, that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, my friend. All right. Uh, I will be right back with Greg Perez and Lyle Bento. Uh, just a quick note to the audience. At the very end of the interview, 
Greg and Lyle remember that they want to go after Ryan Lashane's F-bomb record, and they just shout a bunch of random obscenities. Uh, if you're listening to this on the radio, don't worry, that's going to be cut. If you're listening to this on the podcast and you're with your kids in the car or anything like that, uh, you can just fast forward kind of from the end of, you'll, you'll hear the start of it, and then you can fast forward to the lightning round or just you know wrap up the show there. So I only say that as a, a brief warning to people. Uh, but I'll be right back, and otherwise, it's a it's a great interview. So stick around for that. I am joined this week by two of the gentlemen behind Night Moves Hospitality. A new group with plans to open as many as four bars and restaurants in Houston this year. Let me introduce you individually so that people can hear your voices. Greg Perez, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Thanks for doing this. Lyle Bento, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Greg, let me start with you because I know I've known Lyle for a really long time. I, I admit, I don't know you as well. No, of course, I'm new. So, well, you're not that, I, I mean, you're not that new, right? Because you've, you've been around for a while. Well, so, 2016 is when I first got in the industry. Well, yeah, talk, talk to me about that. Like, like what, where did you sort of come from and how did you get involved in the restaurant industry? Honestly, it was just happenstance. Uh, uh, there was a coaching staff change at HBU. Needed to pay the bills. You know, I was getting cabin fever. Uh, that's when I started working at Arthur Ave and, you know, Anna and Corey, they were big mentors for me there. Sharif was there, Steven, the whole, that's how I met everybody. And from there worked at Edison, like four months later, they didn't have a bar manager. So I said, well, might as well do it. That's where I kind of learned everything. Opened up Kaya in 2018. And then from there opened up Monkey's Tell a year later, July, 2019. And now we're here, 2021. And then, Lyle, I mean, I think you've probably worked everywhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, stop me! Stop me at any point. Uh, Feast, right? Um, no, the first first one was Bedford. First one was Bedford with Robert Gatsby. Then I went over to Rainbow Lodge with Randy Rucker. Oh wow! Okay. And I mean, both those both those crews, Bedford and. Rainbow Lodge, there's still kids out there doing it. I mean, Samantha Mendoza was our pastry chef at Bedford, and she's doing big things with Killings right now. Um, then there was a young man named Con- Kane. He's actually Chris's sous chef at Lucille's. He's been with Chris. Even Chris was a, with us at Bedford. He was one of the sous chefs. Uh, and he's killing it over at Lucille's. They're doing so much big stuff for the comedian and everything. Like, I'm so happy for those guys. Yeah, I think he just got promoted to chef de cuisine. He's running that restaurant now. Yeah, no, he's a super cool, and he's a good he's a good cook. He was a good cook back then, and I mean, just to watch what he's done with Chris and everything like that's been amazing. All right, so. well let's 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 sort of fast forward though. Uh, Feast alla sola, underbelly, yeah, Southern goods for sure. Uh, briefly with Sam Brooks, you opened seventeen fifty one. You know, I was with them for a little bit over a year. You know, okay. we, yeah. So whenever we opened 1751, we were already running under that starfish name for seven months before we changed it to 1751. It was, that, that was crazy. 
but no, I'm really, really happy what we did there. And, you know, JD's still killing it over at 1751. I'm, I'm super happy for him. Yeah, no, I had dinner there a couple of months ago. It's fantastic. I mean, it's yeah. got to be at worst, like a top three seafood restaurant in Houston. For sure. You know, and JD's such a good cook. And I'm, I'm really, really happy for him that he's killing it over there. All right. So, so Greg, you achieved quite a bit at Monkey's Tail. I mean, you're the Culture Map Tastemaker Awards Bar of the Year. Mm-hmm. If, if nothing else. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I have to say, I, I was surprised to hear that you were no longer there. Is there like a, is there like a PG, like a public version of, of kind of why you moved on? Uh, the circumstances out of my control. I'm just not there anymore. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, so how did but, night moves come together? Uh, really came together as uh one thing led to another. So uh, the Heights House, the previous group had withdrew from what they were going to do here. Uh, ran into the owners of the hotel, Javon George, through a mutual friend, Charles Hancock, who I don't know if you know Frank Fernandez from Jim Beam Centauri's his neighbor. It was like kind of this thread. Well, I, I, Frank Frank listens to the show, so he's going to appreciate that shout out. That's awesome love. He, he's, a, he's a foundation of all this. So they needed somebody. I decided to hop on. And then my previous partner, Chris Manriquez, reached out about Edison. And I was like, well, why not? I got time. And so from there, uh, my original plan was to go with the original chefs for each spot. And maybe one day attract somebody like Lyle onto the team, but that kind of got fast forwarded. I didn't think Lyle was paying much attention to us over here. And uh, <laughs> Lindo kind of came in in the clutch on that one. And so we kind of scrapped the whole individual shots for the different concepts. And Lyle's now my partner he, and he handles all the kitchen. So I got very lucky with that. And so we just, you know, Night Moves is also me collaboration with a lot of my bartenders that worked for me in past locations. They've reached out. And uh, they're the ones also taking point on the bar program. I like to nurture and give people opportunities for a platform. So right now I'm kind of more of a facilitator more than anything doing all the grunt work. So Lyle can focus on putting out good food and my bartenders focus on putting out good drinks and I just put in my two cents. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit because you, you've kind of built this around these bartenders, Uh several of whom worked for you at monkey's tail, uh, which I I think is a good sign, right? It it shows that they really like working with you for you. (laughs) They want to keep doing it. I mean, how did you, or, or kind of, um, yeah. How do we get here? That's what you're asking. Yeah, I, I, I guess what I, yeah, I guess that is sort of what I'm asking. I, I guess what I'm asking is, is sort of, you know, how did you sort of pitch this opportunity to them and, and how do you, how do you kind of see it in terms of their career development? Uh, well, they reached out, uh, you know, it's no secret what I was doing. I was very transparent. I just, I'm not a very vocal person about my moves. I like to keep it quiet until, and I sign on the dotted line. I've learned that lesson. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. But uh, they reached out, and I've always been one to uh, be the boss that I wish I had at 25, 26 years old. So, you know, it's very much collaborative effort. Like, Monkey self-success is not me. It was the team. Uh, they were the ones that were there greeting you every day. They were the ones there holding the standards that we created together as a team. And so now it's time for them to grow and 
kind of express themselves creatively and I'm just helping him with the boring stuff. Like we're going through these openings and they're realizing, oh, we got to put water lines for a <laughs> uh, fridge or we got to put water lines for the ice machine. You know, just stuff you don't think about as a bartender. And, <laughs> right, right. All, all the stuff that, that somebody else does for you. Exactly. You just want to show like, up and shake cocktails. <laughs> there has to be like a, a, an infrastructure to, to support all that. And that, yeah, that's what I've been telling them. You know, it's, it's not all sweet opening the bar. There's a lot of boring parts. It's like, who do you think did all the furniture for Monkey's Town? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so they're starting to learn that. And it just honestly, I, I have, uh, you know, my motive is to grow. Uh, and I really want to give these kids an opportunity to one day own their own place. So why not give them the exposure to how you open up a location and all the work that goes into establishing a quality place? And so we did that at Monkey's Tail. Uh, we did a really great job, established a culture there that people wanted to be a part of. And so we're going to try to do the same thing here. And then, Lyle, let me bring you back into this. I mean, you know, you've worked a whole bunch of places. You've done all kinds of different concepts. What about this opportunity appealed to you? Um, you know, when me and Greg first sat down and we talked about what he needed, um, it's something that I've done before, you know. With St. Brooks's, we rebranded a couple spots, opened a spot, and I had fun doing it. And so I just I thought that I could I could I could help out, I could contribute, and I said, why not? So, uh, but then whenever I found out that it was going to be tropical drinks, that's when I got excited because having roots in Hawaii, I've always wanted to do Hawaiian food, beach food, or whatever. And I've never really had the opportunity. Chris would never let me do it at Underbelly because it's really not Houston food. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, so I'm really, really excited to be able to do food that I grew up with and that I have a real pa strong passion for, you know, I'm calling my dad all the time, trying to get recipes and stuff like that. So I think the menu that we have right now is really, really going to be fun. And I'm, I'm really excited about doing some tropical food. Yeah, I guess let's, that's, that's for space cowboy. Let's dive into that just a little bit. Uh, Greg, I mean, how did you, because like you said, there, there was a, there had been another concept announced for that space at the Heights House Hotel, and obviously that's not happening. Um, how did you kind of conceive of that, and and what can we sort of expect from Space Cowboy? Uh, so the bone's already here. I don't know if you've ever driven by the hotel in the last couple months or three months if you've been on this side of town. It's very colorful, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, so... What I was conceiving is, you know, I really like hotel bars when you go to New York, Chicago, you know, they're just, you know, really, really great. And I wish Houston had that. So we really want to do that here. Uh, so Space Cowboy kind of is play off of what they're at. It's a fun spot. It's vibrant, colorful, quirky. And so Space Cowboys kind of have the same name where you don't really know what to expect just based off the name. <laughs> it doesn't give it away. <laughs> and so that's what we want to kind of have that have that kind of not mystery wouldn't be the right word more of like the eagerness to check out the place and see what it is because you know we're going to be serving tropical drinks uh he's going to be doing island food under the name of space cowboy you know just <laughs> it doesn't you know it just doesn't make sense but we'll tie it all in once you walk in there it all is going to flow and so that's what i wanted to do just something fun quirky that'll keep it light I mean, is it fair to call it a tiki bar? 
Uh, no, because Tiki is so intense, like Lalo, like the, the steps they do and the layers and the amount of ingredients that they're, you know, they're pros. We're like maybe a step under, maybe a little more easier, softer, probably just as boozy, but <laughs> they, uh, the, Lalo's the standard and I have no intention to be compared to Lalo because it'll be bad for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Lyle, I, I mean, you, you just talked about the food a little bit, but but say a little bit more kind of about what you're thinking and, and well, yeah, how it's all going to come together. There's going to be a spam dish on the menu. I think you wrote something about me before that I always figure out how to fit spam into my menus or something like that. That that and, sounds like something I might have written. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, there will be a spam dish. But, you know, I just didn't want to throw pineapple and mango and coconut all over everything and call it tropical food. This is really going to be food that is like island comfort food. You know, uh, we have a dish called uh, the huli huli chicken, which is a standard in Hawaii. It's like the barbecue chicken in Hawaii. You know, it's almost the marinade is almost like a teriyaki marinade that you add ketchup to. And I mean, all over the island, there's huli huli guys everywhere grilling chicken and huli huli means turn in Hawaiian. So it's just barbecue chicken. Um, we have what else do we have? I just didn't want to root it all in Hawaii either. You know, so we have a couple different dishes. Uh, we have a Filipino dish that was actually brought into Hawaii, the, the lechon hawala, uh, kawali. Uh, we have a, the, a Fiji dish, which is kind of like a ceviche, but you add, but they add a bunch of coconut milk to it. So that coconut milk kind of the sweetness of it cuts through the acidity and everything like that. I just wanted, I kind of wanted to showcase beach food that I grew up with. So, and and tell me about the pool, right? Because it's at a your, your poolside, right? For sure. Are people yeah. going to be able to swim in the pool? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, if you're comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go right ahead. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> yeah, and you'll you know, have like I, cabanas and pool furniture and all like people can hang out. Absolutely. So, uh, like I said, 23rd is kind of the grand, pretty much the grand opening that we're expecting. Uh, my, my PR guy might be pissed off I said that. But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, it'll, it'll it'll be cabanas, lawn chairs. It'll look really nice, kind of mesh with the hotel, make it comfortable for the guests. If you ever want to do a staycation on a Monday or Tuesday, where you can just lounge around and read a book poolside, or you can take a dip. We're also going to have a really great lobby and a patio covered. So, I mean, you're going to have like four different environments that you can hang out in there. All right. And let's, let's move on to Trash Panda Drinking Club which I almost can't say with a straight face. It's, it's such a silly name. Me and you both, Because I, I got to tell you, I did not realize that Edison and Patton had closed. And I, I really liked that spot when it first opened. It, it was this kind of rustic, like very unpretentious patio bar, um, which I describe as near Gerardo's. And if, yes. And for anyone who doesn't know either what Gerardo's is or where it is, I just judge you for not knowing that. Barbacoa, baby. Barbacoa. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess, how did you kind of come to, to take over that space and, and kind of what's your vision for it? Uh, so Chris Manriquez, he's the owner. And uh, I kind of reached out to him, just, you know, send him a quick text message on asking, hey, are you planning on reopening Edison and Patton? Because they closed on the first shutdown and didn't reopen. And we got to talking and then he's like, well, if you want to do something here, here you go. I was like, all right, cool. So uh, we're keeping the bones of Edison Patent. Like you said, it was a very, it was like a little oasis on the north side. I grew up around there. The whole neighborhood was excited. 
the food was really good with Chef Mikey at the time. Uh, brunch was, you know, always packed. I don't know if you ever got to go to actual brunch. Uh, but we're going to kind of, that's why it was like Southern Gulf Coast with a little bit of create, like the Louisiana that Chef Mikey had. And so it makes sense that Lyle does some Southern comfort food there, but I want to give it a little bit more like heat spice wise, you know, get a little bit interesting with the, with the food. And uh, yeah, it'll, it'll kind of stay the same, but you'll definitely see the trash panda. Uh, yeah. I, we have to talk about the name. Like usually I don't care what the name is, but like, I mean, of all the things to name a bar, why, why trash panda? So it kind of started with monkeys. I've always wanted my bars to have a animal name just because, you know, it's, it's an easy mascot, you know? And so the raccoons are just cool, man. They're always getting into some shit. So, you know, like that's what we're going to do. We're going to be, you know, fun, lively, you know, try to do some things that normally people wouldn't play around with as far as drinks and food, you know, but it'll still be good. Nothing pretentious. You know, we don't take ourselves seriously. We're not brain surgeons. But we still, you know, we, we also want to bring it. So that that's kind of why, you know, raccoons are just, you know, really dope animals. They're like the mascot of 2020. Wash your hands before you eat all that stuff. Or <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I guess, Lyle, how much of this is going to be, like, are you bringing any of the Southern goods dishes or, or what are you, what are you kind of thinking? I mean, it's, I've, th- I've thought a lot about that. And I think there are a couple, a couple things that I probably will back, bring back like seasonal, but nothing, I don't want it to be just a copycat Southern goods kind of thing. Um, you know, like the peaches and cream dish we did, I think should be on a menu somewhere. And it's only on the, I mean, it's only going to be on there for like a couple months during peach season, but people have been asking about that one. And a lot of people have been asking about the cracklings, if I'm going to bring the cracklings back. The cracklings uh, were the one that first came to mind because they're kind of a perfect salty bar snack. For sure. You know, so, and I mean, we didn't invent cracklings at Southern Goods. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mind bringing that one back, especially being a, in the bar setting. That's one of, I mean, this is one of my favorite bar snacks, you know, big, crunchy, salty, pork, fatty, crispy pork belly, you know, why not? Um, but they're, they're, you know, like I told you the other day, there's a bunch of dishes that I've thought about since Southern's closed and everything like that. So I got to get them out of my head. I got to get them on a plate. So, but the menu there is going to, it's going to be fun. It's not like, it's not going to be too many big dishes, not a lot of knife and fork work. It's going to be more snacky kind of elevated bar food. That, that's the idea behind that. But keep it, keep it cool. Keep it fun. Keep it interesting. And like he said, spice it up a little bit. And uh, it's going to be a fun menu there as well. All right. So, so what are we looking at in terms of timing? I mean, it sounds like Space Cowboy pretty soon and Trash Panda not long after that. Yeah, we're trying to do it like the next month, late May is what we're kind of, just to give it enough space. Honestly, I, you know, me, I'm kind of a jump first, look later kind of guy. I'd throw both. But, you know, I've had some time to think about it and Lyle's coming in. <laughs> like maybe we probably would agree a month ago that's to come on. So, yeah. you know, I, I can't expect them to do two of the best menus in the city in two months. <laughs> so that's what, so we're doing late May probably more than likely. And then you've teased that there's a couple more coming. I mean, how much can you say about what else you're working on? 
Uh, so our PR group, Nick Scarfield, said not to say anything. <laughs> but we're excited. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, uh, they're going to be pretty dope, though. You'll like them. I, I mean, he works for you, by the way, just in case you're confused about what the uh, what the hierarchy <laughs> yeah. is here. You're, you're paying in. He's a little scary, though. So. <laughs> uh, Nick's, a, Nick's a teddy bear. Um, yeah, yeah, we're working on two more. We'll hopefully announce in a month. Just right. to, but but yeah. also for this year. Yes, there. I mean, we are working on it. That, that's that part of the press release is true. We're not giving lip service. We are actually working on. It. I mean, there's like leases and, and all that stuff. That's already that's already figured out. It's mostly you know the the nitty gritty stuff. Okay. Got some place. So it, it'll it'll be a month and a half, maybe a month before we announce for later a month and a half. You know, somewhere around there. All right. So I I guess. Um... I mean, we we've kind of sped through this maybe a little a little faster than I had anticipated, but but I mean, talk talk a little bit about kind of how you you feel. I mean, this was a it's been a very difficult year for everyone in the restaurant business, and I I just feel like every day my email inbox gets like another new opening, some other project. I mean, do you do you have that sense that there's this like optimism now about new projects and growth and, and like that we're kind of through the worst of it. Uh, not through the worst of it as far as the actual pandemic, but as far as like the restaurants, people are getting more confidence, especially with the vaccine. Uh, you, you just saw it happen over the course of the fall. And uh, I mean, with the governor opening it up now, you know, people are coming out. So it's just getting in early, establishing, getting your own little territory and kind of, Getting there before more openings are out there, especially chains. Chains are coming in heavy in Houston. So the little guys like us and other mom and pop shops that are Houston born kind of have to, you know, get a little creative with our timing and our marketing and our food offerings, drinks, all that other stuff. So it's just us trying to get ahead of the curve. Yeah, I guess, Lyle, what are, what are your kind of thoughts on this? I mean, you've been, You've been kind of laying low for the past year or so. Like, are you, you kind of ready to get out there? Of course. You, and, you know, with the vaccine and stuff like that, I think positioning yourself right now is huge. You don't want to be late to the game six months from now when most people are vaccinating and most people are comfortable going out like that. You want to kind of be ahead of that curve. And getting in it right now, I think, is a good idea. Getting established and getting your name out there. And just being being ready for when it does hopefully get back to where it needs to be. Um, you know, we haven't the restaurant industry. It's been really, really hard because I've been, I've been like you said, I've been laying low, but watching and working and helping friends out through this has been very. It's been hard to watch them go through that. You know, somebody that has owned a restaurant in the last year and a half or so. It's just been so tough to watch what they've had to go through. And, but to see the business coming back now, it's really, really exciting. And when this opportunity came up, I think this was a good time to get back in it and get going, kind of jump ahead of the curve and just get yourself established. So when it does get back to, I don't want to say normal, but get back to where it should be, um, you know, you already have your feet in the, you already have your hand in the game and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I mean, I drove down Westheimer from the Galleria all the way through Montrose. Just I was, 
I was just kind of, I just wanted to kind of see what it was like. I wanted to see like what parking lots looked like. I wanted to see what the traffic was like. I, you know, it's not a, it's not a perfect judge of uh, how people feel about the economy or, or going out or whatever, but I just, I just wanted to see. And it really felt like every place I kind of rolled past looked busy, you know, in, in a way that, that maybe I don't, I don't think we've experienced in a year. And then kind of the other thing, the other thing that happened to me recently that had not happened in a year is going to a restaurant without a reservation and having to wait for a table. Wow. Right on. That, has been a long time. that had not happened in a long time. <laughs> and it, you know, it's, Right. I, Greg, I, I think you're right. We're, we're not back to normal, right? The virus is still out there. This, this is a pro-vaccine podcast. I, I, can't, I can't believe I have to say that explicitly to people. Like, but, but like, please get, va- like, please get vaccinated. Um, you know, so, but, but, you know, but I do know more and more people that are getting it. And the people who have it are ready to go out. And so, I mean, I, I do think, and, and especially like, you know, a pool concept, I mean, heading into summer, like that just sounds like fun to me. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, we're, we're, we're using all plastics, all plastic glassware, plastic china and everything like that. So you'll be able to bring the food and drinks over to the pool. Um, yeah, so we just want to have like a cool party kind of vibe. Let everybody come hang out, get a room, chill, eat and drink. So, and biodegradable too. Yeah, all biodegradable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not let's not add to the. You know, we've all been ordering delivery all you know for the last year. So it's you know the packaging, the amount of packaging we've all accumulated is unbelievable. And the rooms were given an industry discount on rooms. So if you're industry, you can come get a cheap room, hang out, have a vacation on a Monday, Tuesday night if you want. Oh yeah, say more about that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to work with something with brands where they uh, uh, rent out rooms and we have this little industry oasis Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, Marissa, she's the GM of the Heights House, comes from Hotel Zaza. Uh, we were, we've been talking for the last couple months about hotel economics and just getting to know what a hotel run, uh, running hotel looks like. I, that's what I really love about this project is it's a whole new front for me. Room service, mini bar, the whole nine yards. So she was saying that it mimics pretty much the regular service industry when it comes to Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Occupancy is like at around 15 to 20%. So they have all these open rooms. So we're coming up with the idea, you know, similar to what I did at Monkey's Tail, where it was a big industry spot Sunday, Monday, Tuesdays because of the cheap food and, you know, the happy meals we came up with and stuff like that. Kind of want to bring it over here as far as, you know, just giving great value to service industry. You know, line cooks making 15, 16 bucks, they want to get away too. So you know, it, it won't cost you much to stay in a room here and have a good time. And we'll have brand sponsored throw events here Monday, Tuesday. We're going to hold some things on Trash Panda Tuesday nights also, planning all that. So we're trying to make it like a industry oasis those three days when occupancy is at its low. And, you know, it's safe. You can get drink and get a little, you know, tipsy and drunk and just go to your room instead of having to drive back home. You know, so... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will say that, um, that sounds like fun. And, and I, you know, you, I'm glad you mentioned the happy meals. Cause I, I really thought, what was it like eight bucks for a burger, a, pe- a beer and a shot? I mean, one of, 
one of the truly great deals in in a, any Houston bar. Yeah, it, it's mostly based on the economics, and that's what I was telling uh, Lyle. Is it three days? No, last week when we were talking about menu pricing, he's worked at a restaurant where the food is kind of like the big seller. And what I'm telling him is like, let's give great deals on your food and let the bar make you money. And so you're gonna see non-Lyle prices on those other places, <laughs> just so you know. And it, it'll probably get you to come twice as often as you normally would. And that that's kind of the whole point. That's for me with the food is. I told them, just don't lose money, make a little money if you can, and then let the alcohol markups be the one that's the driving profit. And usually that's what happens. You know, if you, if you have an opportunity to get a whole, a whole menu of Lyle food under 11 bucks each item, I mean, that's hard not to pass up. For sure. You know, we're not dropping $20 for a plate. And so we're kind of having a, you know, balance where let the alcohol make you, like, make you the money and let people really splurge on their food and you give them a great deal for a lot of food. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, that, that makes it easier to order, uh, you know, if there's three things you want, I mean, you can order all three of them cause they, you know, you get to try them all. You get to try them all. And it, it leaves you a little money for that, that second cocktail, maybe even a third. Exactly. And that's where you make your money and then your friends start coming around and then, we try, that's what happened. What happened was we created an environment in Monkeys where you would bring your friends and then it turned into a table and then you're there for the next two hours and then et cetera happens. So. <laughs> right. And then, and then you become regulars and then it's like your spot and you do your, I, I think every time I went there, I, I saw somebody celebrating a birthday, you know, yeah, that's like that's the ultimate compliment. Yeah. It's about, it's about building a community. Uh, I'm very, you know, as you know, pubs in U S history, that was the center of the community. Uh, you know, founding fathers met there and drank and built the country. And so, I mean, it's been always been part of our part of our culture. We're just trying to make it that, you know, we're not a neighborhood bar, we're a hotel bar, but I feel like you can still have that culture there where people just come in, have a drink, enjoy the space, and then you can either decide to stay or go home. And that's what's missing in Houston as far as hotel bars. Uh, and um, that's what we're hoping to do here. Well, and I mean, so many hotel bars, they're either downtown or near the Galleria. Parking is limited or expensive or whatever. Like you'll have, I mean, you're, you're not in like a, a high density district, right? You have plenty of parking, you know, people will be able to come. Yeah. Parking. Yeah. And then our prices will be reasonable. You know, like you go to these bigger chains and <laughs> you're paying a pretty penny to drink. And so we're just charging reasonable prices. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well. Gentlemen, I'll say that brings me to the end of my questions. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you would like to discuss? I have one thing. We were supposed to come in here to break Ryan Lashane's. I know. I haven't even said fuck one time. <laughs> Apparently, Ryan Lashane has a record for fuck said in this podcast. Yeah, and you guys, you guys would have had to have started twenty minutes ago to come even close. So. <laughs> I was thinking about that right now. I, like, uh, we're, dude, I didn't even said fuck. We were one talking time. about. My mom's it. gonna be proud of me. We were, we were saying that we were gonna break his record because there's two of us, and then I'm like, fuck, we didn't do yeah, it. We didn't you've been, much. you've been. I, I mean. <laughs> You're you've been far too restrained. You you would have to start. You would have to like come busting out of the gate from the very beginning, to even have yeah. a shot at it. I mean, you're, you're gonna have to give us another opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Well, sure. I tell you what. When right, you're ready to right. announce the next two concepts. You can come back. You you you'll you'll be like mentally prepared. You'll you'll know wow. that you've got to start early, and then you can come for it. But 
You, I mean, it's, it's hard to beat Lashane on fucks. He says the best fuck. I mean, he's. It's not like. It's not quite like Samuel L. Jackson level, yeah. but he is a he is a master at working at working a little blue. Like he's he's not afraid to he's not afraid to sling it around. No, is it, is it Boondock, a Boondock Saints level fuck? Or is, <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what we were talking about the other day. Like, we'll just have a 10 minute fuckity fuck. fuck <laughs> See, at this point, you're just making for like, because this does air on the radio. So it, it, at some point, like, you're just causing a lot of extra work for our producer, Michael Carroll. He's just going to have to, like, this, this whole section is going to get dropped from the, the radio broadcast version. All right. Well, before I let you get out of here, you have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Lyle Bento, what is your favorite ingredient? Oh, man. Um, uh, spam. Yeah, why not? Oh. Right. Greg, how about you? Uh, favorite ingredient, citrus, lime juice. Greg, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Uh, Lucero at White Oak. Lyle, how about you? Weezer. Lyle, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Fuck, they don't have it anymore. The Taco Bell Mexican pizza. <laughs> Greg, how about you? <laughs> Whataburger, baby. All right, Greg, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Uh, it'll have to definitely be Craig Biggio. Lyle? I mean, Gerald Green from the, the Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then finally, Lyle, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? Pepperoni and anchovies. Greg? Uh, pepperoni, spinach, and mozzarella cheese. All right. Like the give, us the, uh, give us the website or the Instagram or whatever you've got for Night Moves Hospitality. Uh, Night Moves is just that Night, night Moves C at you know the instagram and then a space cowboy H U and then trash panda show you right. no trash panda drinking club sorry trash panda drinking club all right gentlemen thanks so much for doing this no, thank you thank so you much. eric right. you can follow me on instagram at eric sandler keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest houston bar and restaurant news thanks so much for listening i'll be back next week.